0: Welcome back to
1: the Doggy Juice Pod, powered by Dimers.com. This is episode number 99, Thursday, November 5th, 2020. And next week marks a milestone here for this podcast with our 100th episode. i have got some special stuff planned to celebrate, but I'm not going to bury the lead here. One of the most fascinating betting markets of all time has been playing out this week with the U.S. presidential election It's still playing out as I record this. On Thursday morning, today, I sat down with former Doggy Juice pod guest Marcus DeNitto to make sense of it all, everything we've been seeing this week, and discuss the absolutely wild line movement on Biden versus Trump that we saw this week, particularly on Tuesday night. This election has been nothing short of extraordinary and nothing short of a betting anomaly as well. Quite literally, the single largest betting event in human history. And boy, oh boy, was it a wild roller coaster ride on election night when Trump went from a pretty decent underdog to a sizable betting favorite. And then overnight Tuesday into Wednesday, when it flipped back in favor of Biden, we've never seen anything quite like it. So Marcus and I dove into what happened in the markets and also discussed the future of election betting here in the U.S., where it's still not technically legal to do so, with exceptions, of course, but but before I dive into political betting, our run here on the Doggy Juice Pod continues, another winning weekend with our official podcast plays. We haven't lost a week all football season, I don't think, on the podcast, or at least not since the Doggy Juice Pod partnered with Dimers.com, but a friendly reminder that good runs like this do not last forever. We've been preaching here on the podcast since day one, we're in the business of uncovering edges in the betting markets and assembling a portfolio each day or each college football Saturday or NFL Sunday with plus EV bets based on small edges. You take the good with the bad in terms of variance when you do so, but always keep in mind that that your bankroll management is everything. Keep your mind on the prize because you're only as good as the way you manage your bankroll. But we keep winning here, and, and last week we won on the podcast plays in college football with Cincinnati. We won with Indiana. My Iowa Hawkeyes did not come through, although that line did close plus one, so if you were able to bet the game when the line uh, flipped and, Nor- and Northwestern became the favorite, you pushed on the plus one. You also pushed if you took the line at plus seven, as recommended on the podcast last week for a smaller play. That line actually closed north of, of a touchdown uh, late Illini COVID news was coming in, so if you bet that one at post, you cash your ticket on the Illini. We won with Kentucky catching all the points, 17.5 against Georgia. Big loser on Charlotte uh, catching 10.5 against Duke. That one did not come through. We did win with Ole Miss laying 17 points or better. That was 16.5 when I gave it out on the podcast last week. We won with Auburn, hopefully – you were able to get the plus price with the Tigers before the line moved on that one because Auburn did close the favorite on Saturday. And then we lost with Houston, similar line, uh, catching 3-3.5, three, three lost that one. In the NFL, we lost with the Colts-Lions under. that one ended up not even being close. Uh, the Browns didn't get there as well for us, but the Broncos— did in extremely fortunate fashion, and the Patriots got there as well. So a bit of a mixed bag in the NFL, but we did win in college. Stay tuned to the end of the pod for this week's official Doggy Juice Pod plays. But before we dive into the weekend card in college football in the NFL, like I said at the top, the largest single betting event in human history took place this week, and it's still taking place right now as I record this, and that's our very own presidential election here in the United States As an attorney on my end, this event and everything going on this week and going on probably the next few weeks has it's been it's the ultimate intersection for me in terms of the law and the legal process here in the US and the world of betting. So I'd eat this stuff for breakfast every morning if I could, and it feels like I have been this week. I literally haven't slept all week. And of course, betting on the election is not legal here in the US, with exceptions, but I dove into political betting. Here in previous episodes on the Doggy Juice Pod, which I encourage you all to look back and listen to, but putting it simply, you can't legally wager on it here stateside yet, and you actually could in West Virginia back in the spring for a very short period of about less than an hour, but that doesn't mean you can't bet on elections legally in other regulated jurisdictions around the world. In fact, America is way behind in that regard because betting on politics is very popular, it's a very popular thing to do across the pond in the UK and Ireland and on offshore websites as well. And the betting handle is always very substantial. Hell, I mean, Trump versus Hillary Clinton was getting Super Bowl size handle four years ago. But this year was something to behold. At the time of this recording, there's been over 640 million. US dollars wagered at the Betfair exchange alone, easily becoming the largest single wagering event in the exchange's history. And it's similar for other offshore sites like Pinnacle, Bet Chris, Bookmaker, and Bet Online, just to name a few. Bet Online actually just announced as I was about to start recording this that they've officially doubled the betting handle of the last two Super Bowls combined on Trump versus Biden in this election. And on Tuesday night, Tuesday night was nothing short of a wild ride for anybody watching the U.S. presidential betting markets with uh, the betting odds flipping quickly back and forth in unreal fashion. So, without further ado, let's get to my Thursday morning interview with Marcus to sift through everything uh, that we saw on Tuesday and, and after Tuesday night and try to make sense of everything we've been seeing. <laughs> He brings a wealth of sports betting knowledge. Returning to the Doggy Juice Pod with us is Marcus Danito, my coworker, and the guy who runs the show for us is the managing editor at Bet Chicago, but Indiana News. How's it going, Marcus?
2: I'm doing well, Mike. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, haven't slept much this week uh, <laughs> for obvious yeah. reasons. Uh, yeah. I've, been, I've had had one eye on my on the Betfair uh, live odds and, and another eye on the pinnacle live odds and the Beck, Chris live odds, all the, all the offshore books on this presidential uh, election. But uh, how have you been
2: faring during everything? That's probably representative of a lot of the country here in terms of lack of sleep, Uh, you know, for for, uh, varying reasons. Um, You know, we're obviously looking at this from a betting perspective, but, uh, you know, but I I think uh, a lot of people are are in the situation where they're keeping a close eye on the election and, um, yeah it's been it's been a whirlwind it's been a whirlwind it's kind of just a
1: microcosm of, of this year what a wild year it's been uh, just going back quickly how, how was your time in quarantine and how has life been treating you in in 2020 uh, in
2: you know making the best of it um, trying to better myself uh, you know be working out a lot getting myself in better shape uh, doing some reading, you know, listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, that, that sort of thing. Um, so just, yeah, just trying to trying to make the best of it and get through it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. We'll, we're going to be fine as a country and as a world on the other side of this. And, you know, trying to, trying to be safe as, as much as I can without, you know, locking myself in a, in my, in my house in a hazmat zoo. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, just trying to tr- navigate through it and, and, and keep a smile on my face and, Keep a positive attitude and and, hope, and we'll get through this soon.
1: Yeah, and I know it seems like you know four years ago when you wrote these, but your your twenty questions during quarantine uh, yeah. series, I bet when you were re- you were uh, interviewing the titans of the sports betting industry back in the early days of quarantine, I thought that was awesome when you did that and. It seems it seems so long ago now when you were uh, putting those out because this year seemed like it's you know it's been a whole decade. The way yeah, yeah, I you. know, and,
2: I, and you contributed to that too with that with, with uh, your interview with Daniel Wallach, which was great. And uh, yeah, just I, I wasn't sure whether to keep it going out. You know, it, it, there's one point. You know, went which like, are, are we still in quarantine or are we not in quarantine? <laughs> right, right, right yeah. now I'm not sure. Are we still in quarantine or or, or not? I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> some you know, people know, are, it's, some aren't. That's a little gray right here. So, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a fun series, and definitely a shout out to uh, all the great people that participated. We certainly have mm-hmm. Ames in that series. That was exciting. So you came on the Dog
1: Juice Pod about a year ago, or a, a little over a year ago in an episode that I titled the sport, the state of the sports betting industry. And you and I talked about where things stood at that time. I believe it was October of last year, but we've come a long way since then, obviously (laughs) in more ways than one. And um, and Maryland just this week, we saw Maryland, Louisiana, South Dakota pass legalized sports betting this week. And, And we saw Nebraska approve casino gaming, which can pave the way for sports betting down the line. That, that brings us now to, 27 jurisdictions in the United States. It's 26 states plus DC that have some form of legalized sports betting. And and the COVID19 pandemic aside, has this? Would you say this progress in the last year has has pretty much been what you expected, or do you, do you think we are uh, right now where where you expected us to be at this time? And do you have any other general thoughts on? On the current state of the legal sports betting industry
2: here boy listen to those numbers that you just threw out you know 27 states 27 jurisdictions it's 26 states plus dc you said right yeah correct yeah i mean that's uh that that's probably ahead of the pace i would have anticipated um uh and it's great i mean it, it, it's it's really an illustration of how the attitudes in this country have changed toward toward betting i think that fantastic for everybody involved certainly us that work in the business um obviously the leagues are figuring out you know their piece of it uh it's just it's great for fan engagement and all that stuff and uh yeah that's i, I I'm, I'm a little wow i mean looking at those numbers it's a it's a little it's a little surprising i would say we're a little ahead of pace i mean there's certainly some states that haven't totally figured it out yet you know i'm actually in my home state of of new york for a couple of weeks here visiting family and stuff and you know here's one state that you know it's counted among those 26 or 27 but it's not you know there's only a few casinos in which you can place a legal wager so i'm not sure i consider that necessarily quote unquote legal i mean you have to actually get up and be in a physical casino to bet. You can't pick up your, you know, pick up your phone and, and make a bet from your couch or a restaurant or a bar. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a ways to go, but um, uh, I, I definitely think it's a great sign that that you can make a legal bet in, in 27 jurisdictions in this country. And you know, again, a great illustration of how attitudes have shifted in this country. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it's been a pretty wild ride, and like you said, you know, some states like New York where. You can't. You know, you can only do it physically and not via mobile. Really, obviously, it hampers the the ability for you to get down. And, but no, I, I completely agree. It's it's been nice progress to see, and I think we're going to get a lot more of it. Uh, obviously, the next few years, very foreseeable. <laughs> we've been obviously covering this for a while, and it's it's fun being a part of it, no doubt. So, um, so my eyes, like I said at the top, they've been they've been glued to my Betfair screen. Uh, we've seen just on Betfair alone almost. Six hundred fifty million U.S. dollars wagered there at the time yeah. of this recording, and so and diving into what we witnessed. I mean, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll even circle back. here. Tuesday night this week, we witnessed one of the most fascinating markets of any kind that, that we've ever witnessed. <laughs> just, just a heads up, everyone listening to this. We are having this chat on Thursday morning, and even at this time, uh, the election is far from settled. Yeah. But uh, just quick before we dive into you know exactly what we saw in the markets, how did you spend your Tuesday evening and and I I guess namely what was your drink of choice during that wild ride on Tuesday night well I
2: started with a couple of Manhattans um with with uh, bullet rye oh nice Uh, actually no it was bullet burke um I I, I correct myself but uh, yeah so I had a few of those I was I was in isolation where I needed to be um in my Airbnb here in uh on Saratoga Lake in upstate New York uh, I had three monitors. Um, I was bouncing back <laughs> with with the volume between basically CNN and Fox. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, had had Twitter fired up and you know kept refreshing the, the odds from from Bet Online and you know various books. Um, you know, the gambling Twitter was was great. I guess I mean, <laughs> covering it, uh, it was certainly you know added a added a fun element to you know my my engagement with the election so uh yeah yeah no i i had fun watching it
1: it was fun i I know i drove my i'm staying with my fiance's parents right now in the chicago suburbs and um markets and just the wild moves that we're about to talk about here and i think you know I, i just kept letting out like these 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 like gasps and like exclamations, you know, like these, Oh my gosh. Like these, and they, they were like, I was stressing them out uh, with all my reactions to what I was seeing in the markets. And, and they're like, Oh, what's happening. you know, it's, there's the stuff that we're watching on you know, CNN and Fox news is, isn't, you know, lining up with your reactions right now. So it's just, it was just an unbelievable thing to witness and, and kind of diving into what we witnessed here. Obviously Biden was in the uh, the minus 200 minus 225 range to, to win the election on Tuesday morning, and it, it remained in that range, um, you know, during the day. But then, it, as returns started started to come in on Tuesday night, we saw an unbelievable move. And I know you were all over at watching this stuff as well. But in the span of about an hour or two, the line went down to a pickem, and then Trump became the favorite. It seemed like it was almost like deja vu all over again from 2016, where Hillary yeah. was a pretty strong favorite, and then Trump all of a sudden flipped to a to a strong favorite. And by the middle of the evening, Trump was up in the minus 500, minus 600 range. And I know at least one book reached as high as minus 700. That implies a, a 87.5% odds to win from Trump. So how were you making sense of all that in real time as we were watching
2: it? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, for, from my perspective, uh, I I made a bet on Trump early, I think back in August or something like that. and. At the time, I thought I was getting a good price because he, I, he was a slight favorite. He may have been minus one twenty or something like that. I bet him at even, um, so I was happy with the price. Uh, but uh, you know, a few weeks later, it, it, it was clear that I made a bad bet. And you know, we, we talk about closing line value all the time. So you know, as you as you just alluded to, he went off at of probably a plus a dollar eighty something like that. So. Uh-huh. I made a bet, you know, based on closing line value. Not a good bet at all. Um, but as as we're watching, and then and then Florida happens, and Florida happens. You know, people say, "Wait a second, here comes 2016 again," and the markets start reacting. Nate Silver starts getting trashed on Twitter, and as you <laughs> say, Trump Trump becomes the the, the huge favorite. Uh, and I'm like, wow, maybe my, my, my bet's going to turn, turned out to be a winner. Um, and and Arizona happens, you know, I'm actually, I I was actually tuned into Fox at the time, you know, Bill Hemmer's there going through the map, going through his math. And he says, Arizona just turned blue. Are are we, are we calling Arizona? Is our decision that's calling Arizona? And he was surprised and sure, sure enough, that was confirmed that, that Fox, the Fox decision desk was calling Arizona for Biden. And then everything started to turn back. Um, right. I went to bed about, I think 1230, something like that. And, and you know, uh, the, uh, in terms of the odds, Trump's lead had shrunk. I think he was maybe minus a dollar 40 when I went to bed, something like that. I wake up the next day, uh, Check bet online and Trump and Biden was back to a minus three twenty five favorite. So um, you know, yeah, just uh, just craziness. But I, I will say this: I mean, from a from a you know a sports betting perspective, is this really that uncommon? I mean, how many similar scenarios have the Atlanta Falcons brought us through? Over you know. <laughs> right. you know right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the most obvious example is twenty-eight to three in the Super Bowl, right? And you know, the Falcons came in; they were a, a, a small underdog, maybe not as big as uh, you know, they were a small underdog. The Trump was going in; but they were a three-point underdog. They take a twenty-eight to three lead. What were the money line? What were the live money line odds there? You know, so <laughs> right. these, these things happen a lot. So, uh, in, in terms of sports betting, I and mean, so it, I don't know from, from, from an odds perspective how unprecedented it really was. You know, I mean, these 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 things happen when you're watching sports.
1: Right. The, the, the thing for me though is like like kept reminding myself of this on Tuesday night, but like this, these markets that we're watching have so much liquidity and there's so many, so much betting action um, in the in the days and weeks and even months, but especially like leading right up to the election itself, just seeing unprecedented handle at some of these books. I mean, the Betfair, I think I said before, it's, they're, they're at six, $650 million uh, now, but it was, it was an insane amount even on Tuesday with all, all the money that we saw pouring in. So usually, you know, when you see these bigger, markets they tend to be you know it's kind of like akin to betting in an nfl game on a sunday you know pre-flop right before the game kicks off that's the sharpest line it's been it's been obviously hammered into all week and shaped by the marketplace and there's a lot of liquidity in this market and similarly here but I, we're also seeing like a super bowl effect where there's so much public money and people are starting to to compare this to mayweather mcgregor that type of mm-hmm. setup where where there's just so much money and public money on one side. And we know that a lot of these books were heavily exposed to Trump. So I couldn't help but, you know, think that this is, you know, this this one-off event that we are watching, you know, was, was obviously, there's so much, these line moves were, were surprising in one sense, but in another sense, like you mentioned, it wasn't that surprising. And and I was trying to make sense of it all in real time. And mm-hmm. and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because you mentioned, you know, obviously Florida, and obviously towards the end of the night, I, I had a similar uh, set up as you did. You know, I, I went to bed and, and the line was a pick'em, and I woke up and, and Biden was minus you know, two eighty-three dollars, same as you, minus three twenty-five. And uh, do you think it was as simple though as you know an overreaction to the early Florida returns? I know one explanation I've read is as I guess the Miami-Dade numbers came in early. That county in particular, Miami-Dade was was stronger for Trump this year than it was four years ago, and I think maybe a potential you know once that combined with the fact that. Florida was going pretty solid Trump and Ohio was going Trump. Do you think that it was as simple as, as maybe an overreaction to those early returns and not properly taking into account the mail-in uh, ballots that were that still had been counted?
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems like a clear overreaction to what happened in Florida. You know, um, people thought, again, that 2016 was repeating itself and that Florida was sort of a barometer for the rest of the country and uh, you know, I, that obviously wasn't the right um, perspective, it, you know, Florida's just kind of a strange state, isn't it? Like it doesn't, it that doesn't really fit as a Southern state. It's just kind of, it's just kind of different in a lot of ways. And, uh, but yeah, it's, to me, it seemed like a clear overreaction, but if you look back you know, you were talking about the, you know, the, the liquidity and, and, and the sharpness of the market. I mean, if you look back at the closing line, you know, maybe that was pretty good. Um and right at this point, it looks like it looks like Biden's this thing is Biden's. I mean, it, it, I'm not completely over yet. And uh, you know, Trump's going to make sure this, you know, this gets dragged out. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it, Trump, you know, Biden going off at, at minus two dollars or more. Um, you know, that seemed like, a, I guess, looking back, that seems like a pretty sharp line.
1: Yeah, no, it does. And it's. And I also read, you know, like some books. You know, it, to, to go back to the Mayweather-McGregor example, you know, we saw a lot of guys in our corner of the world uh, that are you know, sharp bettors pointing to the, the value on Biden too, just because of all the smaller bets that were coming in on Trump. It was almost like a, a Super Bowl scenario where there might be a, you know, the line was sharp, but also it could, could have been a little bit of value on Biden, just you know, being a bit shorter odds than, or sorry, longer odds than um, that we would have anticipated with all the public money on Trump. Right. Right. Yeah, it's interesting, and, and and just trying to look at them. We're trying to make sense of of the market itself, but in reality, I guess it was just looking back. It was just an irrational market. It was as, as simple as that. And you saw, you know, some some people saying on Tuesday night that Biden had a lot of value at, at plus two dollars when you could have got him at at a nice plus price. And I don't doubt also that there was some market, potential market manipulation going on with with some people playing that plus price on Biden, and and perhaps even the books themselves kind of shading the number more in Trump's way to attract more Biden money. Cause they were so heavily exposed to Biden. I think that could have been in play too.
2: Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of debate leading up to this and I was involved in some of them in terms of, uh, you know, what, what you trust more, uh the polls or, or the betting market. So uh, interested in your takes on that, obviously, you know, the, the, the polls, you know, maybe saves a little face by, because Biden's looks like he's going to win. Um, think he's winning in the manner that a lot of the polls suggested. So, you know, the, there's clearly some, um, untrustworthiness about the polls and, uh, you know, there's some really obvious reasons why the, you know, the methodology is faulty, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just, you know, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on how the polling went and, and you know, compared, compared that to the, you know, uh, with, what the betting market was telling us?
1: Yeah. I mean, on Tuesday night, it was, you know, that was becoming the narrative, you know, like Nate Silver was, (laughs) everyone was getting after him and and the death of polling was becoming the narrative, obviously, because it was so wildly off, just like it was four years ago. And, and that, that was the initial thought. But like you said, the way it's kind of turned out now, the polling, obviously it's somewhere in the middle, the there's obviously a a discrepancy and and it wasn't properly taken into account. Uh, Obviously a strong contingent of trump voters you call it the silent majority whatever you want to call it but in terms of the betting market i mean to your point the the pre-flop or, or pre-game number i guess if you want to say but on um, the election turned out it looks to be pretty sharp but the live betting i mean it, it's almost like a lose one for for the betting market because i was i remember texting friends and and even my fiance's parents telling them oh my gosh you know it's it's, it's looking like it's going to go Trump now, and yeah. then the next morning I'm telling them it's the exact opposite, and they're like, "Okay, well, what good's the betting market if, if you know, it's same one thing one day and then another thing the other day?" And so, from that aspect, I think it was a maybe a lose one for the for the betting market. But at the same time, the market's efficient, and I I, was, I told everyone it's like the the markets are the truth eventually. So one of these candidates is going to be you know hundred percent to win in the betting market and they're going to take it off the board. And, and, uh, if you follow the money, that's, that's the ultimate truth, but it's just the way it played out. It ended up being just an unbelievable, just singular anomaly event. And there's no other way to put it, but just a betting yeah. anomaly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, you know, Brit Hume on, on Fox news's coverage kept talking about the odds and, uh, the, rest of the panel is kind of making fun of them, like poo-pooing them, <laughs> right. poo-pooing them, like this. You know, the betting market's smart. and There's billions of dollars in this
0: thing. Uh, yeah,
2: this, this. I mean, strategy. this is like such a liquid
0: market.
2: Maybe it turned out that you know they were right to kind of kind of uh, laugh at them for keep uh, for for continuing to bring up the betting odds. So uh, you know, the other thing is you know, back, I, I after 2016 when you know Nate Silver with Liam being uh, you know, dragged through the mud for missing it. I sort of defend him because, uh, you know, he, he said Hillary had about a 66 or 67% chance to win, which makes her a minus 200 favorite, right? And, you know, anyone that's on sports knows that minus 200 favorites lose about a third of the time. So, all the time. It's not crazy, you know, but now after. You know, twenty twenty. You know, it's kind of two, two two misses for the pollsters in a row. Now you start to wonder. Wait a second. Maybe these things aren't that accurate. And uh, again, I think there's some there's some pretty obvious reasons why they're not accurate. I mean, one is what are, what are they doing? They're, they're picking up the phone and calling people. I never answer a call that, that if I don't answer if I don't recognize the number, and I, I don't think I'm alone there. So what's the, you know, who's really answering the calls and the, do those, the people answering the calls kind of lean one way or the other for some reason? Um, and, you know, the other thing is there's definitely some data that suggests people are hesitant to uh, discuss their political leanings, particularly if you're on the uh, on Trump's side. You know, people don't want to admit they're voting for Trump. So that's, those are kind of two Glaring reasons why the polls should be taken with, uh, you know, a shovel, couple shakes of salt.
0: Yeah,
1: that's a great point. I think that's going to be one of the, 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 the shifts, the pendulum shift, not pendulum shift as much as just a, an outright change uh, and and polling and and even who knows what we're going to see in four years from now. But I would like to, I would like to see the betting markets get more coverage. I know there's been, you know, kind of tongue in cheek remarks about getting a, a betting coverage on one of the major networks for the election, but I would, I would be all over that. I think if they monitored that and, and covered that more, I know, I know I'm speaking for you as well. We would be watching that, that coverage all the time. And that's, that's the coverage that I want, but. Yeah. Well, I think, you know,
2: you'll, it, it, this is a, this is a good segue maybe. I, I think, you know, will yeah. see that more just like we are with sports when it becomes legal. And uh, mm-hmm. as of, Tuesday, you cannot bet legally in the in the in any of those twenty seven jurisdictions that we spoke about earlier on the election. You no, know, uh, Duel tried it in West Virginia. That lasted about two minutes. Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, going forward, you know, when when we get to twenty twenty four, is there legal betting in the United States? And if so, how how does that change media's media coverage? I would think you know yeah if, if it's if it's legal in a you know multiple markets um i would think they're, they're going to talk about it more just like they talk about it more uh on, you know on espn and you, you know nfl betting more freely on espn now than they did uh prior to pasta being overturned
1: right i mean just the progress we've seen in in that arena obviously it's it is it is a there are extra hoops you have to jump through in terms of presidential betting and and I and I agree with you 100. percent I think this is something we're going to see sooner rather than later here. Even though you have to jump through a few more hoops, you got the uh, obviously state law getting in the way, but you also have the the CFTC that you have to deal with, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. They they might want to weigh in. There's it's unsettled how how you can get clearance in that regard too. So I know that's that's one of the big obstacles. But just w- when they see, I mean, when you look offshore and you look at the UK and, and places where it is legal and regulated. To bet on elections, you look at the handle that they get. it is absolutely insane and and you know that Americans would be all over that too and and let's be frank, Americans are betting on this election they have been i mean you can it doesn't take a more than a Google search to look and see how prevalent election bettings betting's been in the United States since the Civil War even i mean I know back in the in the New York Stock exchange in the in the ninth in the nineteen sixteen or nineteen fourteen whatever um, that decade you can just pretty much openly go and, and bet on the elections there and and those are sharp. Those are very predictive on who is going to win as well. So it's not like we're foreign to it here, obviously from a legal perspective we are. But um, but I think it's something that we could totally foresee in the future.
2: So what do you what do you say? You know, you have a you have a, a great handle on uh, the, the legal uh, betting environment here in the United States. Um, so 2024, if you're going to make a yes, no prop uh, on whether there'll be legal betting in at least one jurisdiction, um, what do you make me ask?
1: I'd probably, man, I, before this election, even like this summer, I would have probably thought a genuine pickem. but at least one jurisdiction. I mean, hell, we, we saw one jurisdiction try it already yeah. this year and actually take bets. I mean, uh, in West Virginia, like you mentioned earlier, and and just the you see the willingness and someone to actually go forward and do that. You have to think that it's got to be a favorite in at least one jurisdiction. The problem is, and I'm sure this is going to be taken up and, and, and uh, there's, there are certain parties that obviously want this to, and there should be lobbying going on. I, I think that's going to be something that we're going to see pick up steam in the next few years, but I'd make it the favorite, the slight favorite.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I think, you know, the, the climate around this election has been pretty toxic. So it's, <laughs> you, know, for, you know, whether this has anything to do with whether, it, you know, whether it should be legal or not, uh, it might not be totally relevant because it just might be something that regulators want to stay away from, you know, with right. the way that the votes are being tabulated and, you know, substantiated or not, you know, allegations of fraud like the, mm-hmm. that make uh, regulators nervous. And uh, so, but, you know, to your point, I, I agree. I would make yes to favor it. Um, because I think there's gonna be one book that asks one state uh, you know state gaming commission for permission and they're gonna get permission to do it and they're gonna hang it and every book obviously in that state's gonna follow suit and um, and then you know you might see other dominoes falling in other states but I I would mm-hmm. somewhere along the way uh, one book is gonna get permission from one state regulator and uh, and it'll, and it'll it'll be on but you know I, I yeah. I don't know how widespread it will be, but I, if it was an even money bet right now, I would definitely take the yes.
1: I agree. And yeah, like you said, it's just once it takes one, everyone's going to want to join the party. I mean, we've seen that with sports betting itself, obviously, uh, here in here in the States the past few years. So, yeah, that's cool. It's It's exciting stuff. All right. Well, that's uh, I think that's about it. I don't know if you've got anything else, but um, I mean, I guess you I close out with this. I mean, how, how do you anticipate this moving forward? And I, I don't know how you even want to answer this or how you could answer this. But you know, I've been telling my my friends and my family for the past few months that I didn't see this election ending for a few weeks after after the Tuesday when the polls close. But do you think that we're going to see any type of resolution here or how, what are your expectations uh, the next few weeks?
0: You know, it's,
2: it, it seems like it's going to be a while, several days, if, if not weeks. Um, you know, Trump's going to make sure he doesn't look like he's in a good position right now. And, you know, he's going to do everything he can, you know, in terms of lawsuits and, and whatnot to uh, drag this thing out and see if there's a possible path for him. So uh, I eventually... I, I think Biden wins this thing, but, it's it, you know, until there's a real resolution, it's going to be a while. In fact, I saw um, at the beginning of election night, I, I you know, I can't remember, it was like six or seven o'clock or something like that. Somebody tweeted, I, I believe it was Pinnacle, that wasn't going to pay off until inauguration. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're holding a Biden ticket, you know, I, I'd be patient. I don't think you're getting paid tomorrow or anything like that. So, yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's yeah, crazy. Crazy. I, I, you know, I think it's going to, I think, you know, there's there's several states that are, you know, are still too close to call. And it's an extraordinarily tight election in terms of the Electoral College. So, and, and that's the what the term is there. Um So, yeah, I, I, I'd be patient. And, but I, eventually, I think it's, this is, this thing is Biden's there's one thing we've learned in 2020 it's it's
1: patience and it's going to be (laughs) tested by everybody so
2: yeah
1: yeah. all right right, well thanks for coming on really appreciate your insight here and uh and hope hope you enjoy your time bunkered up at at, uh, the airbnb where do you say you're 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 upstate new york right now right how how close are you uh, to the nearest uh, where's the nearest casino to you
3: uh
2: actually it's rivers casino in schenectady which isn't too far away so i haven't hit Uh, yeah i may i may pop in there and make a few bets on sunday nice yeah all right well
1: thanks as always for uh for coming on always appreciate you coming on and giving us your insight it's much appreciated. all right thanks mike take care all right, thank you very much to Marcus for coming back on the podcast. That was awesome stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Marcus Nitto, That's M-A-R-C-U-S-D-I-N-I-T-T-O. Pay attention to those markets. This thing's still not done as I record this on Thursday, but it's something to pay attention to, obviously, as things continue to move forward. We've got a couple new conferences who are starting their season this week in football, so time to jump in to the college gridirons. I can feel it all the way down in my
2: plums, getting all swollen.
1: Maction, return to action on Wednesday night with six games. And of course, we couldn't legally wager on the NIU-Buffalo game here in Illinois because our wonderful lawmakers won't allow us to. Favorites went 4-2 straight up and and 3-3 against the spread. And overs went 4-2 in those first six MAC games on Wednesday night. The Pac-12 Also starts this weekend, Oregon is still at the top of the power ratings, at least my power ratings in that conference, but they'll obviously be without quarterback Justin Herbert this year, and we've already seen some anti-Oregon money come in in the markets. USC is favored in the South uh, to win the Pac-12 South. They're next in the conference in terms of power ratings, although I do think that they're laying a few points too many on Saturday morning. More on that soon. With everything going on in the world this week, I think uh, seeing—I think I speak for all of us here—by saying that seeing a full college football board on Saturday is a beautiful sight to behold. Arkansas is five and zero against the spread this year, covering the spread by double digits on average. They face off against Tennessee, who's in a must-win spot pretty much. In that game on Saturday, they're coming off their bye and off three straight losses. The Vols are laying. Two points in that one, which is around where I have it, but that game will definitely be an intriguing watch. Of course, the story this week in college football is that, or at least the big story, is that projected number one overall pick in the draft next year, Trevor Lawrence, is out for Clemson again this week. That line was shorter earlier in the week. Circa opened it at minus four, I believe. And now it's sitting at five as I record this, which is in no man's land. But per Brad Powers, college football handicapper, since 1994, Notre Dame is four and forty straight up, and eleven thirty-two and one against the spread versus teams that finish in the AP top ten. I do lean Clemson here, lay in the five, especially. But if the if the number hits three, I'll definitely be looking to actually wager on this one. But it's a no man's land for me right now. Although I do lean the Clemson side, they just have so much more of a speed advantage in this matchup, even with the new quarterback in there with Lawrence out. But I'm also eyeballing the total in that one because it's getting close to being worthy of a play on the under, according to my numbers. 52 is my buy price for a smaller position, and it's just about there at minus 110 juice, so pay attention to that one because I think we have just enough of an edge to get into play on that one at the relatively key number for a total at 52. In the SEC's marquee matchup for the weekend, Georgia is supposed to be without four starters on defense against florida this weekend that lines down to three and a half now but the better quarterback is on the florida side with kyle trask and i only have the bulldogs as slight favorites 1.2 on my stuff after adjusting for the starters being out so i recommend to play on the gators this saturday catching the three and the hook be sure to sprinkle some of that money line on the dog as well plus 135 or better which is still widely available out there in the marketplace right now as i record this Out west, Boise State opened uh, two-point favorites against BYU, but that one flipped. BYU is now favored by a field goal on Friday night. I agree with that line move there. It's right around where I make it now, so no play for me. But it's interesting to note that Boise has only been a home dog one time in the last 15 years, and they won that game outright. That was against Fresno State recently. In the Big Ten, Laying three points against Indiana fits on my stuff for a standard one-unit play. It's the shortest spread in the history of these two programs, and I think I read earlier that Michigan's won 24 straight in this series. Now, I've bet on Indiana the last two weeks. We were on them here on the podcast last week laying the points against Rutgers, but this line's too short. The Wolverines still bring a sizable advantage across the board in this matchup. We're getting nice... Uh, nice line on Michigan here in a spot where I think they're going to bring some added pep to their step against the upstart Hoosiers. Lay the field goal with the visitors here, and if you want more in-depth betting analysis on this weekend's Big Ten card, be sure to check out the House Edge podcast over at Dimers.com. Ian Gold and Dan Schneider dive into week three of the conference season and break down the games, uh, and they bring tons of insight, so definitely check that one out and follow Dimers on Twitter at Dimers.com. Arizona State plus 11. This is one of my favorite plays on the card this week. This game starts at 9 a.m. local time. And Herm Edwards, the Arizona State head coach, he's a pretty crazy man, and I love this angle. He's going to have his kids ready for this one. Frankly, he's impressed me, uh, Herm Edwards, in his first two years. I'll admit that I was a doubter. In that one or when, when they brought him in but he's incredibly disciplined this guy I mean, I've heard stories of him waking up at the crack of dawn and I think he's really instilled a lot of that on his team especially uh, in the preseason and this is their first game obviously so I expect them to be ready to go at the odd start time and catching a you know 11 points against USC I think it's just a few points too many in this one I make the game closer to a touchdown myself so it's a nice little edge here betting Arizona State in this spot catching all those points against USC Kadan Slovis for USC is a stud, obviously a quarterback, but look out for Sun Devils quarterback Jaden Daniels to impress as well and put up points in this one. Also take a look at the ASU team total over, too. I think there might have been a bit of a move on the under that went too far uh, because of the low start time, or the early start time. I think that had something to do with it, but Arizona State team total over is also worth a look in this one, but catching plus 11, definitely I recommend adding that to your weekend portfolio. (laughs) We also have our first Hawaii bailout game this weekend. Hawaii playing at home at the late start time. Of course, chasing on Saturday night runs directly contrary to the Doggy Juice Pod Sports Betting Ten Commandments. But we actually might be seeing a slight edge in this particular matchup. Uh, According to my numbers, New Mexico has stayed out in Las Vegas all week uh, due to COVID issues in their state. So some distractions there, not their normal routine. So, if you have to bet this one, lay it with the Rainbow Warriors. But I wouldn't get down on anything substantial unless that line hits two touchdowns or less. So, consider it a full go at minus 13 and a half or better, and at a minus 14 for something smaller. And right now, the current price is minus 15. It's getting more to no man's land, but I definitely lean that way on Hawaii. All right, time to dive in to NFL Week 9. Hello! How are we halfway through the NFL season already? Despite everything that's been going on with COVID and otherwise, this year is flying by. It always does. Dogs came in big time, winning outright last week, left and right. Eight of them covered and seven won outright on Sunday alone. And of course, Monday night, the Giants covered as well against the Bucs. Like I mentioned at the top, we were super fortunate to get there with the Broncos last week, but Anthony Lynn, man, (laughs) oh my God, per ESPN stats and info. Teams when leading by 17-plus points this season. The Chargers are 0-3. The rest of the NFL is 52-4. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers move to 7-0 for the first time since 1978 after beating the Ravens on the road last week. And I mentioned on uh, the last episode, but listen back to the Doggy Juice Pod, episode number 81, recorded on March 31st. And at the very end, you'll hear a recommendation to bet the Steelers as a value team entering the season pays to listen people but this week the Steelers are laying 14 points on the road against the Cowboys Dallas is 0-8 against the spread to start the season and too many of those losses were with my money but if they don't cover this week it's going to be it's going to be reaching historic territory 0-9 against the spread so catching two full touchdowns against the Steelers is pretty crazy but that's where we're at with the Cowboys right now Perhaps the most intriguing matchup of the week is the AFC battle between the Ravens and the Colts. The line has shrunk on that one, moving in the Colts' favor. They're now catching two and a half at home against Lamar Jack- Jackson in Baltimore. Um, and Baltimore. Baltimore obviously coming off that loss at home against Pittsburgh. Per James Palmer on Twitter, at James Palmer TV, the Ravens had 265 rushing yards against the Steelers on Sunday and outgained the Steelers 457-221 to 221 in total yards. Since 1933, a team that had at least 250 rushing yards and at least twice as many total yards as its opponent had a combined record of 215-1-1. And now it's 215-2-1 after that game last week. The Ravens' pass offense is a serious concern, as we encounter the, frankly, foreseeable Lamar Jackson uh, regression this season in that regard. Last week, we saw some intriguing and, frankly, rare, substantial late line moves on Sunday morning that weren't right at all. The Seahawks were bet down to one-point favorites. Uh, The Wise Guys were all over San Francisco. And then the Titans were bet up to 7.5-point favorites against the Uh, The Bengals, both of those didn't even come close to cashing. The Bengals won outright against the Titans, obviously, and the Seahawks ended up spanking the 49ers. But just further proof that the big syndicate money isn't always on the right side of things. Before we dive into the official Doggy Juice Pop Week 9 NFL plays, let's hear who our pals The Danimal and The Sager are on this weekend.
3: What is up, everybody? It's your boy, The Danimal, and I am ice cold. Not seeing the board clearly I don't know what's going on Last week, it was ugly It was ugly last week Only bet I won out of the four were the Steelers Thankfully, I sprinkled the money line But, didn't matter Buffalo, lost by the hook Titans, they stink They got blown out by the Bengals Packers, they stink They got beat by the Vikings So, here we are, week nine I don't know what I'm doing anymore But, I got three picks Probably go 0-3 Maybe 3-0 I don't think anybody knows anymore What the Danimal's doing Here we are Cardinals Minus 4 4.5 I think Dolphins Tua Average last week They had a punt return They had a fumble return They scored every which way Arizona At home Covers this They win by a touchdown Cardinals minus 4.5 Broncos They stink They're awful But you know what I'm taking them this week they're playing another awful team. They got the Falcons getting four. I'll take Drew Locke. Give me the four. Screw the Falcons. Broncos. Lastly, Washington football team against my G men, who looked pretty good against the Broncos, but tough. Sorry, against the Brady Bucks. But bad loss. Giants stink. Washington stinks. But Washington, minus two and a half over the G men. Those games are all awful, I just realized. I probably won't watch any of them, so you're welcome for the three worst games on the board, but Cardinals, Broncos, Washington football team, 3-0. and Wrap it up. Daniel's getting hot again.
0: Thanks for having me back on the Doggy Juice Podcast for week nine of the NFL. Uh, Excited to get the week started. Thursday is finally here. Uh, Some early plays that I have locked in. uh, Took the Washington football team minus two and a half against the Giants. Giants coming off a short week, Monday night football. Uh, Feel like it was their Super Bowl. Left it all out in the field. Played a great game against Tampa Bay Um, with Judge being a former Patriot. I know him and a lot of his coaches that were on that staff. Wanted to beat Brady. Uh, Like the – not the the Redskins, the Washington football team, uh, coming off of a bye. I know they just lost to the Giants in a one-point game a few weeks back, but ultimately I feel like Washington football team is the team to take in this side. So got them at a 2.5, uh, would maybe take it up to 3, but I think they can win this game by at least a touchdown. Um, and then moving over to Indianapolis, I like the over. Um, Ravens versus Colts at 45.5. It has since gone up to 47.5 wouldn't put as much on that but uh know then both defenses are great humphrey probably out for the ravens uh, i just feel like this game could end anywhere from like a 24 to 23 maybe a 27 28 type of game uh, i feel like they're both gonna score but at the same time get some stops um so like that to just go over and then for leans this week on thursday night um it's seven and a half with the with the 49ers, I do like, but I do like the under better than that. It's currently at 48. I uh, was able to lock in it at 49 and a half. Um, so that is trending down. I feel like it's just going to be a grounded pound game. I lean the Niners seven and a half, but I don't trust them with all the injuries. And then also for the over this week in the Carolina. I'm sorry, the game's in Kansas City, but Carolina versus... Um, the Chiefs, and I believe it's 52.5 right now. Uh, with McCaffrey back, the Panthers defense is bad. Uh, I feel like what their offense with McCaffrey can put up some points, and then also the, the Chiefs will put up their points. So, like the over in that game. Haven't taken it yet, hoping that it'll get down a little bit, but uh, anywhere from the 52, 51 uh, ish area, I would definitely like. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Talk to you. Bye.
1: All right. Thank you very much. To the Danimal and the Sage, a.k.a. Better Call Paul, good luck with your bets this weekend. Time to close out the podcast with the official Doggy Juice Pod Week 9 NFL plays. You, you like you, you
3: like
1: the New Orleans Saints, plus 4.5 against the Tampa Bay Bucks. This line was plus 5.5 earlier in the week, and the Canby Books, namely DraftKings and Bet Rivers here in Illinois, were at plus 6, minus 118, which is where I got down most of my positions on the Saints but this is still a great bet at the current market consensus of plus four and a half plus four now let me preface this let me tell you that you will not meet someone who wants to see the Buccaneers do well more than me this year I hit them multiple times at 50 to 1 and 40 to 1 to win the Super Bowl 20 to 1 to win the NFC 7 to 1 and 6 to 1 to win the NFC South season win totals every which way before the season and all of you long-term Doggy Juice Pod listeners know how bullish I was on this team since the moment Bruce Arians came in the fray as head coach before last year, and now they're number one in DVOA at Football Outsiders, and no one in the NFC has a better chance of being the number one seed in the playoffs this year. But having said all that, this line against the Saints is inflated on Sunday. Let's do a little exercise by examining what the line was in Week 1 when these two teams met in New Orleans to kick off the season. Virtually no home field, To speak of with no fans at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so maybe a point on the line for travel and lack of familiarity uh, for Tom Brady with his new Bucks roster in Week One. The Saints were minus four, minus four and a half, laying about four and a half four points. They're favored in that game. Uh, Favored the other way, obviously. The lines flipped here, but the Saints won that first week. That Week One matchup, they covered thirty-four to twenty-three, largely behind a seventeen-point second quarter. Now, we know the story with both of these teams since then. The Bucks' defense has emerged as one of the league's elite defensive units. Tom Brady is leading the Bucks' offense, and it's loaded with talent at the skill positions, the only issue being their health so far this year, namely to Chris Godwin at receiver position but the saints were quietly five and two so far this year they've had their fair share of issues of uh, issues as well and injuries on offense as well but this week with michael thomas and emmanuel sanders likely back this is a great bet on new orleans here get it at plus four or better but reduce the investment at plus three and a half and of course sprinkle some money line down on the dog in a spot where they can absolutely take this one outright and i also like the under uh, under the total in this one Granted, not as much at fifty-one and a half, so uh, really hold out to catch a fifty-two if that one shows again. But reduce the investment size at fifty-one and a half, and of course, it stands to reason that I also like the Buccaneers team total under in this one. I'm seeing a lot of uh, twenty-seven and a halves out there. This is a really strong bet at twenty-eight if you can find under twenty-eight on the Bucks, but it's fine at twenty-seven and a half, uh, keep at uh, normal vigorous. So call it good at twenty-seven or better, but really looking to take the under in that Bucks team total and under the total as well in the game, but the strongest bet here is the Saints catching plus four or better, plus four and a half still out there in the marketplace. The under in the Colts-Ravens game, under 47 and a half. This total's actually ticked up to 47 and a half during the week, and I did not agree with that move. I actually locked in some under 45 and a half, so the lines moved against me here, but both of these defenses are among the top in the NFL. The underdog Colts have a great rushing defense, number 2 in the NFL allowing only 3.4 yards per carry, which plays right into the hands uh, right into their hands against a Ravens team that runs the ball more than any other team in the NFL. Darius Leonard, he's back for the Colts as well, which is only going to help their cause on defense. And we all know about Lamar Jackson's limitations in the passing game this season. He was kind of exposed last week against the Steelers yet again. And in terms of pace, both these teams are bottom seven in the NFL in pace. They're a tad faster on situation neutral pace over at Football Outsiders, but still bottom third in the league. And I think that this is a bit of an overreaction potentially in the marketplace to the Colts putting up 41 against the Lions last week and with the Ravens' ability to score, obviously in the betting public's mind as well. But at 47 and a half, this is a good underbet. And if it hits 48, it gets even better. I did bet the Lions on Sunday and Monday at plus four and plus four and a half in money line as well. But that was, of course, before Matthew Stafford, uh, the Matthew Stafford COVID news. So that game's off the board now so nothing on that one. On to the next game. The Giants were there at plus three, minus 110 earlier in the week. It has since crossed under the field goal fence, plus two and a half now, but pay attention to that one as the weekend approaches. I make it close to a pick of myself. Washington minus 0.5, basically, almost exactly, and yeah, I know Washington's off their bye week. New giants are um, obviously on short rest but the giants have faced the toughest schedule in the league so far and their defense is sneaky good the washington defense is one of the top units in the league as well but offensively the giants are a better team um, that's all reflected of course in the low total both strong defenses but the game's at 42 and a half 43 with more vig but even if giants plus three doesn't show again they do make an excellent teaser candidate this week more on that soon The Cardinals laying four points against the visiting Dolphins. I really would need to see minus three for a full position here, but call this one good for a bit of a reduced position at minus four, minus 110 Vig on a well-rested Cardinals team coming off their bye week against the Dolphins, led by Tua, obviously, in his second start. Tua didn't have to do much in its first start last week because the defense and special teams got the job done for Miami in a primo spot for them coming off their bye week against the Rams who were in an all-time bad spot traveling across the country again last week. I think they've logged 20,000 miles, over 20,000 miles in travel already this year, and that game was also played at 9 a.m. on their body clocks, so it was just a bad spot for them too on short rest. Uh, The Dolphins were impressive, but this week, they'll be without running back Miles Gaskin with a foot injury, and they have to travel cross cross country themselves to take on an Arizona team that will be healthy, completely capable of establishing a margin and keeping that margin on Sunday. Some books are at four and a half, but the Canby books here in Illinois, as I record this, DraftKings, Bet Rivers, are at minus four flat. So, Cardinals minus four is the play in Arizona. As for the hometown Chicago Bears, they are catching six and a half six and a half point underdogs on the road against the titans we saw this one open at six and then some initial money came in on the bears to bring uh the bears uh yeah to bring the line down to five and a half but now the number's moving back up it's at six and a half now if the bears do hit seven i'll be taking the points for a small position it's just about there too so definitely lean bears at that price and definitely recommend a position on the bears at plus seven minus 110 or better And finally, finishing up with the teasers. Part of the problem with doing a podcast uh, released on on Thursday is not being able to give out a lot of the bets that I made that are no longer available in the marketplace and teasing the Raiders up from plus 1.5 to plus 7.5 on a 6.2-team teaser, minus 110, no, nothing more than minus 120 juice. Um, but doing that earlier this week was one of those plays that is no longer available. If you shop around, you can find Vegas at plus 1 with some extra juice, but that line is a consensus pick right now with the Raiders actually moving as the slight favorite right now in the market i agree with that line move because i make this one almost exactly a pick'em as well but the raiders were there but there are some other teams that are in that spot of fitting our model of, of uh, the classic stanford Wong teaser teasing through the key numbers of three and seven on both legs of a two-team six-point teaser the patriots are one of those on monday night against the jets you can get them down to from minus seven and a half to minus one and a half you can even get some spots are minus seven uh, with more juice you can get that in, Get that down to minus one, which is even better, of course. The aforementioned Colts from plus two to plus eight also fits our model. I mentioned before I, that I like the under in that game as well, so I expect points to be tougher to come by in Indy this weekend, thus increasing the relative value of each point we tease up through. If the Colts keep it a one-score game, we'll cash that leg of the teaser. And then the Giants, they're also there at plus two and a half. You could tease them up to plus eight and a half. And then a game with a low total at 42 and a half, 43 the value of each respective point is magnified in that one as well increasing your edge in the process so i recommend taking the giants up to plus eight and a half the colts up to plus eight and a half and the giant or sorry the patriots down to minus one and a half um, all three of those legs in your teasers this week but this week's official doggy juice podcast teaser of the week uh, for that let's call it the colts up to plus eight and a half with the patriots down to minus one and a half. We're on a five and one run where we're five and one on the teaser of the weeks this year on the Doggy Juice Pod. If you're skipping passing two of the weeks, so let's keep that winning record going, baby. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. Next week, we have our milestone 100th episode. It's also Master's Week, so we'll have no shortage of stuff to talk about in the sports betting world. I'm also heading out to Colorado for a few weeks to get a piece of the betting market out there and check things out. So that's going to be exciting. More on that in next week's episode. Make sure you enter the NFL Sweet 6 contest over at dimers.com. Answer those six questions correctly, and you win cash. It's as simple as that. No gimmicks. It takes 30 seconds to make your picks. All you have to do is hit up free play.dimers.com register for free, and try your luck for the $1,000 jackpot prize. For more information on the Sweet Six contest over at Dimers, you can check out the beginning of last week's episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Feel free to reach out to me privately, too, if there's any other questions you may have on that contest. I would love to see one of you listeners out there get all six questions right and take down that $1,000 this weekend. All right, everyone. Be good to one another. And good luck with your bets this weekend. I will talk to you all next week. Doggy Juice out.